This morning, uh, we're going to continue in our Jesus with series um, in Luke chapter 10. And uh, it's a fairly long passage, it's 24 ver- verses. Um, if you'd like, you can stop and read it together out loud, um, or you can listen to me read it. Either way, that works. This will be Jesus with his people on mission. That's what this section is about. So Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done and you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that this is your word, the word of the Lord. We pray that we would have ears to hear, like Jesus alluded to, that we would be ones like the disciples who see what what prophets long to see and hear what prophets long to hear. We ask that you would illumine our hearts with your Holy Spirit, that we would respond. Help us to be hearers 
and doers of the word with you, feasting on your joy and your love. We love you, Father. We want to be more like you. Amen. So Jesus, um, he has a band of people that follow him uh, that we call disciples. And if you've been in Sunday school around Christians enough, you know, you've heard there's 12 disciples. But that's uh, a sort of smaller, more exclusive group. There's a larger group of people that also follow Jesus. Um, And you can see that this is more of that number. 72 here are, are sent out. And they are sent on mission to proclaim that the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Um, these, this is really uh, Jesus sort of preparing us as readers of the Gospels, preparing the disciples within the story for the moment that will come at the end of the Gospels when Jesus sends them to the ends of the earth. They're being prepared for that task. If you're new to Scripture, if you're new to the Bible, the idea that anybody should do what the disciples are doing is itself strange that Jesus would instruct people to go out and tell other people to come and follow the way of Jesus uh, is not something that really on its surface level we think should happen. In our culture, we say that you know religion is a private, personal affair, and it's not really appropriate for somebody from one religion, from one uh, path of discipleship to tell somebody else, you should be on this one. But Jesus, uh, he sort of bakes it right into the thing. It's part of following Jesus is telling other people that they should come and follow Jesus. Um, So Jesus is not as uncomfortable with that idea as we are in our culture. Uh, So this is just another instance where Scripture can maybe confront our natural modern biases and just says, well, this is not necessarily the way that the world is. In fact, the announcement that's coming through the disciples, through the gospel, is that in fact uh, there is an entirely different way of being in the world. It's to live in the kingdom of God, and you should come and live in it. Now Jesus' instructions to the disciples... uh, we have the, the before, and we have the response as they come back. Jesus' instructions before they leave are sort of weird. Um, not all that encouraging in some ways. You know, he, there's this line where he says, I'm sending you as lambs uh, amidst wolves. That's not exactly an appealing uh, picture of what mission is supposed to look like. But there are some things about the nature of this call that are helpful for us. And if you're watching this as part of a missional community, it's it's helpful to see it in the context of what we are inviting you to do as part of this missional community. In a lot of ways, these people are just like you and I. And in a lot of ways, you and I feel like if we're going to be on mission with Jesus, this idea, this sort of Christian lingo of being on mission... uh, it can feel like I'm not the right person for this. I'm not smart enough. Uh, I don't know enough things. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the skills. But Jesus, when he sends his disciples, he actually sort of sends them out ill-equipped in some ways. Listen to how he tells them to go. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Don't talk to anyone on the road. 
they're not carrying what appears to be the necessary gear for this task. And if you are familiar with the biblical story, if you're reading the Gospels, kind of doesn't seem like they have the, I don't know, mental, spiritual resources for this task either. These are not seemingly um, what you would call superstars in any sense of the word. They're really normal people who have lots of doubts and questions who often miss what Jesus is saying to them. And Jesus is sending these people who seem to be ill-equipped out to do the work of announcing that the kingdom of God is coming near. So if you are sitting in your missional community and you are saying, uh, I'm not sure that this is me. I'm not sure that this is uh, what I should be doing in my life. There's a decent chance the disciples also felt that way. But the call is not based around their own proficiency, their own skills, their own resources. The call is is geared around something else. And and we'll talk more about that in a second. Then he gives them instructions of how they should carry out this mission uh, as they go to these towns. And the instruction he gives is is remarkably simple. Um, He basically tells them to go into towns and look for people who open their doors to them. And it's a very simple sort of decision-making grid. Do they invite you in or do they not? If they invite you in, go in. If they offer you a meal, eat it. You know, this is not rocket science. If these people are simple people who feel ill-equipped to the task in some ways, they need simple instructions like this. And Jesus makes it very simple for them. Go to town, have your eyes open, Go where you're invited. And then what do they do? They eat with the people that invite them in. And they offer healing. It says, uh, he says uh, here in verse 9, Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And this, frankly, has been a, a work of the church, Big C, Christians, Jesus people, for 2,000 years. Um, In some instances, you may be thinking of praying for somebody and they're miraculously healed. Yes, that's certainly been part of the story. But another part of the story has been being the people who stay in a city who is is ridden by plague, which sounds more familiar than ever. And they are the ones who care for the people who are sick and needy. Um, And it can even look like just caring for the people who have needs. Maybe they're not plague ridden, they're just hungry. They don't have food. Uh, They don't have security. They don't have emotional security in their home. And Christians have always had a fundamental part of being in the city, of being on mission with Jesus, is to one, eat eat with people, eat with our neighbors, share the table with our neighbors, and to offer healing. It's very simple stuff that Jesus is telling them to do. And then he says, if it doesn't happen, just leave. Just leave. And there's a passage that immediately follows where he he utters a word of judgment to these cities that are going to have rejected Jesus. And this can feel really uncomfortable because it feels like, uh, you know, people our day and time are, are sort of already on the fence about being on mission. Like, I don't know, this seems kind of rude maybe. Is this appropriate? And here's Jesus like, hey, if you reject me, it'd be better for you than all of these wicked cities from the Old Testament. And you're going to go down to hell, Capernaum. This is not really selling me on mission. But let me just help you to see it a different way. Think of yourself right now. 
Think of your fears about being on mission with Jesus. What do your fears look like? What are you afraid of? Oftentimes, it's the fear of rejection. I'm afraid that I'm going to say or do the, right, the wrong thing, and they're going to laugh at me. They're going to cut off relationship from me. I will offend them. But it all comes down to a fear of rejection. And what Jesus' words allows the disciples to do is to say, look, the acceptance or rejection of the news of the kingdom is ultimately not my responsibility. And so if somebody rejects this news, the disciples are free to say, look, Jesus is going to take care of this. This is not on me. Jesus has given me permission. Okay, this is not working. This is not the right time. This is not the right place. This is not the right person. Maybe I'm not the right person. And it's okay. They're free. Jesus says, ultimately, I'm going to be the judge here. Not you. You don't have to be the judge. Jesus gets to be the judge. So you can just turn it over to him. The burden of mission then is lifted off the disciples and placed on Jesus' shoulders. And then we have this report in Luke 10 of what happens. The disciples come back, and this time they experience success. They don't always experience success. There's plenty of experiences of failure. And they say, look, all this stuff happened. It was amazing. It's, there's all these supernatural things that happened. And Jesus re-centers them on what's important. Because the disciples, again, they're like us. We can be tempted to get our eyes fixed on the supernatural things, the flashy things. And Jesus says, look, you shouldn't be rejoicing in the fact that you saw these amazing things happen, these successes happen. What you should rejoice in is that you're my people. Your name is in the Lamb's book. That is what you should rejoice in. So again, what is Jesus doing when he instructs them and us? He's lifting the burden of, of success and failure off our shoulders and saying, I'm giving you something that is, should give you perpetual joy. In fact, the, the portrait of Jesus in this whole passage from 1 to 24 is of a joyful Jesus. This next section in chapter 10 is Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. He's rejoicing, sort of overflowing, seemingly spontaneously rejoicing to God. That, that God has done something wonderful in his people. That the word of God is going out. And that his people get to participate and what he's doing. He says to them, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus recenters this whole thing. It's not their proficiency, it's not their success or failure, it's not the supernatural signs that they see. Everything gets centered around him. And so that his followers who are on mission with him are invited into the freedom and the joy of being on mission with Jesus. Mission is not, uh, is not an act merely of obedience. Mission is not just for the, the privileged who are skilled enough, who are gifted enough. Mission is not just for the super holy. Mission is an overflow of the love and joy of Jesus. And Jesus privileges his disciples in Luke chapter 10. He privileges us, these disciples, in Valley Hope, 
with the ability to play with him, to follow him, to go out in front of him. He says that go out to the cities that I am coming. So when we go on mission with Jesus, we have a sense that we are doing this with Jesus. Jesus is coming. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. And the weight of the whole thing does not fall on us. We're not doing it because success and failure is what we crave. We're not doing it because success and failure is what we take our joy in. We take joy in Jesus. And so it's the simplicity of sharing table with people. It's the simplicity of participating in the healing of people. It's the the freedom to say, the most valuable thing that I have is Jesus. Won't you come and see him? And when people say yes, we rejoice. And when people say no, move on. We don't have to be the one who sits in judgment over them. Jesus is in charge of this whole thing. We're going on mission with him. You are in your missional communities right now so that you would get in the habit of thinking this way with other people. Because notice, Jesus does not just send 72 people out into 72 different directions. He sends them out in pairs. You're meant to do this in community. You are meant to look in this missional community that you're a part of and to say, we get to do this with Jesus together. I'm not even alone in the flesh on this, on top of the fact that Jesus sends his Holy Spirit with me. So you're meant to be in your missional community right now, looking at one another, having a conversation and asking, look, how do we do this together? How do we we sit at the table with our friends who are not following Jesus right now? How, How do we go out and participate in the healing of our valley? How do we go out and find the people of peace in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in the places of common cultural importance, places where the door is for some reason open? How do we go together and invite people into this overflowing love and joy of Jesus? So we are hoping, we are praying, we are trusting that you are sitting right now with people who you can do this with. So that when you are afraid of doing this thing for whatever reason, you can turn to one another and tell each other the truth of the gospel. The kingdom of God has come near. Jesus is on the move. He's awesome. He's wonderful. And we get to do this with him together. If you are, (coughs) if you are sitting at home, you're not able to be around others right now. You still don't have to be alone. You're not forgotten because of a number of uh, resources and technologies available to us. You don't have to be in that room by yourself. You can pick up a phone and be connected to another person at Valley Hope, and you can just by the simple act of conversation. Be connected to one another so that you too can tell each other this good news. We are called to be the people who go with Jesus, who celebrate his love and joy that overflows in infinitude to the valley around us. We are called to be the people who go on this road with him together, empowered by his Holy Spirit. And this whole thing is about him. It's all about him. He is worthy to be talked about. 
He is the one who is the, the beginning and the end of this whole project. The success and failure of the whole thing rests on his shoulders. He gets to be the judge. He gets to be the savior. He gives his Holy Spirit to you and I so that we can be filled with his life. Look, I've, I've had a tiring week this week. For whatever reason, I can't tell you why. It's not like I got any different kind of sleep. I'm just tired and drained from the nature of life in this world right now. And honestly, it can just feel like I just want this to be over. I just feel that all the time. It's tough to think about being on a mission when I just feel like it's a mission to get through the day sometimes. What, what I need and what you need is to see Jesus once again. To have our vision corrected. To see that it's never the stuff that we have or the success that we have or the lifestyle that we have that was meant to satisfy us. It was the fact that we get to see things. We get to see Jesus in a way that prophets and kings long for and common people like you and I have as a part of our everyday life. If you are tired this morning and you feel like you can barely go on mission, come see Jesus and let him be gentle and kind with you. If you are looking at the, the degree of your fatigue, your discouragement right now and saying, now is not the time for me to think about mission, you are wrong. Mission is the overflow of God's love and joy. It is precisely by going out with Jesus that you're reminded of that renewed in his love and his joy and it washes over you. And if you are for the first time seeing this and hearing this and thinking, what could possibly justify going into all the world and saying you should stop doing the thing that you're doing that you deeply value and you've committed to and instead do this very different thing? The answer is very simple. It's Jesus. Jesus is what makes that claim justifiable and true. There is nobody like him. There's no king like this. There's no other way of life like this. There's no one like Jesus. My invitation to you is to come see him. The kingdom of God is come near to you. He's coming after you. He's coming towards you. He's coming into your neighborhood. He's coming to your table. And you should come see Jesus and see that there really is no one like him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you're the one who initiates this journey. You're the one who comes towards us first. The whole thing hangs on your shoulders. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to walk into this liberated life of serving you, of following you, of being on mission with you. Jesus, I pray for every missional community at Valley Hope that's going to watch this together. Jesus, I pray that they would see one another as fellow partiers at the table, the table uh, partiers that are going out and inviting other people to the party. Jesus, I pray that you would uh, stir up creativity in these missional communities, that they would see that their job is to be the ones that are at the table. Their job is to be instruments of healing in this valley. I pray, God, that they would take simple steps 
They don't have to be experts. They don't have to have all the best stuff or the best ideas or the best skills. They just have to go with you. Jesus, I pray that you would fill them with excitement and that they would embrace the freedom of letting you be the center of everything. Jesus, I pray for those who are watching this, who've never followed you, who have never been confronted with the absolute uniqueness of who you are. And I pray that you would unlock their hearts and that they would find their place at your table. That they would be healed by you. And that they would rejoice too that the kingdom of God has come close. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. Help us to love you and trust you more so that you might be worshipped and glorified everywhere by everybody. Amen.